grab your Bibles. Um, last week, we began a new series on the book of Galatians. And I did an introductory message and an overview of the main themes of this book. Um, you know, if you think about Paul's writings, um, and what the gospel is and is not, you could say that the book of Romans is what the gospel is. And you could say the book of Galatians is what the gospel is not. The major purpose of Paul's writing to the churches in Galatia, the region of Galatia, was to quickly and with finality crush a heresy that had been endangering the, 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 the purity of the gospel in the churches of Galatia. The heresy was and is legalism. False teachers had slipped in among their ranks of these early churches and uh, that Paul um, planted, and they began to teach a salvation through works of the law. They were, they were telling, uh, these, these Jewish believers were telling, um, or false believers, I'm not really sure, were telling the, the new believers, Gentile believers, hey, you have to observe the law, you, you men need to be circumcised, all these different things. They're adding a bunch of works to the gospel that Paul had preached them. And so Paul writes them and says, hey, I have, we, have to, we have to talk, we have to uh, come to Jesus' meeting, okay? So, that's the purpose of the book. Let's jump back in. I want to just touch on real quickly verses 1 through 5 again, and then we'll jump in and cover verses 6 through 10 today. So we're not going to get through the first chapter. Um, and at this pace, it's going to be a while before we get through the series, but maybe we'll start to pick things up here in a little bit. Okay. So, uh, Galatians 1, 1 and 2. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me to the churches in Galatia. He says this, verse 3, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I didn't mention this last week, um, but grace and peace. Uh, Paul gives to them both a Hebrew greeting and a Greek greeting. Um, for those of you who have been to Israel or know anything about Hebrew, when you when you greet someone in, in, in Israel, they say shalom. And it's also a, it's, it's a salutation, but it's also a departure. And we say bye to people, shalom, and it means peace, right? So when Paul says uh, grace and peace to you, that's a very um, Jewish Hebrew um, greeting. But also in that culture, in, in the Greek culture, because how many know that Galatia wasn't in Judea, the, the region of Judea? Um, and the Greeks also had a greeting, and, and it essentially is grace. They said they would say grace to you, which you know, means favor, favor be upon you. And so grace and peace, Paul gives both the, the, the Hebrew greeting and the um, Greek greeting um, in his, in his um, the beginning of this apostle. Um, by the way, in the Bible, the gospel that we have, the gospel of Jesus, the gospel of Christ, it is both called the gospel of grace and the gospel of peace. Isn't that interesting? Gospel of grace and peace sets both to the Jews and to the Gentiles. Verse 4, grace and peace to you from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 4, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Last week we talked extensively that um, the, the gift of knowing one is lost is a gift. The, the gift of knowing one needs to be saved. Church, we live in a world where, how many know, everyone needs saved. But not everyone knows that they need to be saved. And it's a divine revelation to know you're lost, because when you know you're lost, guess what? You can call upon the name of the Lord, 
and all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. We talked about this when we did the series on the Beatitudes. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, the poor are the, the poor in spirit. They know they are bankrupt spiritually. Therefore, they, they have this revelation that I'm completely and utterly lost and cannot self-rescue. What do I do? Call, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. It's a, it's a divine revelation. How many know that when you're poor, you're right at the door? Amen? The poor at the door to the kingdom. <laughs> the candidates who can receive grace are those who have the divine revelation that they need to be saved. The other thing I want to say about verse 4, being rescued from this present evil age, it doesn't just look like getting your sins forgiven so that you can go to heaven. Thank God for that, by the way. That's quite the consolation and quite the benefit and perhaps the main benefit, right? Because that one lasts forever. Um, But being rescued from this, notice he says, this present evil age, it doesn't just look like us getting our sins forgiven so that one day we can go to be with God in heaven. The gospel of grace and the gospel of peace have come into our lives so that not only you get to go to heaven, but heaven gets to get to you. Amen? It's not just to get you in heaven, it's to get heaven in you. Amen? It says this in Romans 5.17, For if... By the trespass of one man, death reigned in that one man. That's speaking of Adam's fall, Adam's sin. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace, I love that, his abundant provision of grace, and the gift of righteousness, reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Reigning in life, amen? The gospel of peace and the gospel of grace was not given just so that you can have pie in the sky when you die in the great by and by. It's also so that you can have steak on the plate while you wait. And as a former butcher, I feel it is one of my missions in life. The first is to preach the gospel, but also to convert vegans and vegetarians to two meat eaters. So. Stick on the plate while you wait. If you are a vegan, you are welcome here. You're just going to hear a lot about me from time to time, or, or a vegetarian, or whatever. <laughs> but here's the deal. God transforms the world through transformed people. And people get transformed by the gospel of grace and the gospel of peace. Transformed people transform their families their workplaces, their cities, their world, amen? Transform people, transform the world around them. Verse 6, new content, yay. Galatians 1, 6, Paul is going to get in their business here. He says this, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ. I love that, live. Listen, we're not just supposed to go visit grace, you know, two weeks a year on vacation in the summer, right? We're supposed to live in grace every day, 365, amen. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are returning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Paul outlines the fact that there is a 
different and a false gospel being preached to them. A different and a false gospel. Uh, the gospel means good news. That's what the gospel means, good news. How many like to get good news? Good news is great. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a good news. Who doesn't like good news? Your scans were clear. Your numbers are looking good. Your bosses, you're getting a raise. Those are all good news, right? Most news we see on like TV is bad news, right? Um, bad news gets viewership, and viewership gets advertisers to buy spots, you know, time on networks. Um, there's this, I was thinking about this this week, but there's, I was like, is there any news networks that only do good news? And there's this thing called the Good News Network, and it's not a Christian thing, um, but they just tell good, they just tell good stories. Like, one of the stories was, I don't know, this isn't, there's like a hundred manatees gather in warm pool to, in Florida, it's just it's a hundred manatees gather, it's like, that's good news, I guess, I don't know. Boy genius with the, you know, the IQ Einstein or whatever. So those are the kind of good news that you can find on the Good News Network. So turn off the bad news from time to time because it's a little overwhelming. And it's, it's relentless. It never ends. But here's the bad news. Here's the bad news. You and I had a debt to pay that we could not pay. And the consequences of not being able to pay that debt were spiritual death, physical death, and eternal separation from God. That is bad news. The good news is that Jesus came to set us free from that debt and freely freely gives to all who would call upon his name. That is the best news. It's not just good news. It's the best news you will ever hear. The good news of the gospel is not just good news. It is the best news anyone will ever hear. Paul says to them, you've heard a different good news that is a perverted good news. And by, by the way, it's not a good news at all. It's bad news. Salvation through self-efforts, good merits, good deeds, through the works of the flesh, the works of the law, is not only impossible, it is bad news. It puts you at the center of a bad story. The gospel puts Jesus at the center of the best story ever told. The greatest story ever told. Self-righteousness is a perverted gospel and this type of perverted gospel is really not different than any other religion on the face of the earth. What, after all, is religion? Religion involves some sort of uh, man's obligation to God to perform, to be good enough, to, to, to reform, to make oneself better so that I can get into right relationship and serve God. Now listen, thank God for, for sanctification, the transforming grace of God that we are in a process of being renewed, and God, God has us on a, a journey of maturity, amen? At least you should be on that journey. I want to invite you on the maturity train, <laughs> if you're not on that train. It, amaz- it actually amazes me sometimes. You have new believers that have such a depth in the Lord, like right away. And then you have people who have been walking with the Lord for sometimes, you know, decades. And it's like, when are you going to mature, <laughs> you know? And sometimes that we're, sometimes we are the ones in charge of that because we're not allowing God that, that process of the opportunity to, to, to transform us. But that's not what the gospel is. The gospel, um, it involves that, but the gospel is free. It is unmerited favor. It is unmerited grace of God. Amen? All other religions of the world, there's, there's some form of reformation or doing good to work ourselves in the right relation with God. I watched this uh, documentary on 
YouTube a couple years ago, um, and it, it caught my attention because the title was The Mountain um, That's Never Been Climbed. I'm like, what mountain hasn't been climbed? Because I want to go, you know. <laughs> and it turns out that it's, it's not because this mountain is the hardest mountain to climb the world. It's because it's in a part of Nepal where it's, it's considered holy and sacred. And people have climbed up to a certain point of it, but they um, no one's ever climbed all the way to the top. At least I don't think so, because that's what they say in the video. But but there was this Buddhist monk, and, and what people will do, they'll go on this spiritual journey where they'll go around this mountain. It'll take like two weeks to hike around this mountain. It'll stay at different places. So you're always seeing this mountain. It's a very majestic, beautiful-looking mountain. Um, and there's this one Buddhist monk who, who decided he's going to walk around this whole mountain on this holiness journey. And every time he took one step, he would lay down completely, um, prostrate on the ground, and get up, take another step, and, and lay down completely again and get up. And it took him a long, long time. Can you imagine just laying completely down, taking one step and doing it again? It's like low-level burpees for two weeks, you know. <laughs> and I would imagine at the end of that two weeks, I would feel, like, kind of accomplished. Like, that was pretty hard, you know. There are... You know, endeavors that I do that I'm like, I feel pretty accomplished. But that nagging feeling that there's something between me and God and my, and my right with Him, you, would, you can never erase that feeling. You could never work yourself into right relationship. That you would always, there would always be something between you and God. The gospel is different. This is why Jesus came. Is that Jesus lived the life you couldn't live. He paid the price you, you deserve to pay, right? And when we receive him as our Lord and Savior, we receive the gift of salvation, the gift that no one can earn, the gift that no one can deserve, the gift of our right relationship. And he washes away our sins completely. That is so amazing. That is the best news you'll ever hear. That is, by the way, the major difference between Christianity and every other faith on the face of the earth. Even our, the, the roots of our faith, which go into Judaism, even the roots of our faith, there were, what were, the, there were, there were blood sacrifices offered year after year after year because you can never um, wash away. Uh, it only atones, it only covers temporarily the sins of the people, but those, those blood sacrifices had to continually be offered. But Jesus offered himself once and for all, for all of humanity, all of humanity's sins, he offered his blood once and for all. That is the good news of the gospel. Paul says, <laughs> Paul gets pretty strong here to these believers, Verse 8, he said, let God's curse fall on anyone, including us, or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. It doubles down, I say it again, what we have said before. If anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcome, let that person be cursed. Strong words from the apostle here. Now again, this is, this is his baby. He planted these churches in the region of Galatia. He went personally and, and, and preached the gospel and planted these churches. And now he's got these false believers infiltrating the ranks. And so he's taking this personal. These are, these, are, these are his sheep. He's treating these false teachers like wolves, and they are wolves in this regard. Now, is Paul cursing them? Is he cursing them? Uh, not necessarily. He, said, he, says they, he says, let that person be cursed. Let God's curse fall upon them. In other words, let them remain as they are. They actually already are under God's curse. Now, why are they under a curse? 
we'll get more into this when we jump into chapter 3. So I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. But look what it says here in Galatians chapter 3, verse 10. It says this, For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. All who are uh, self-reliant, under self-righteousness, are under a curse. Because you're never freed, you're never fully freed, you're never um, uh, from your past and your sins as you're under the law. Paul is like, you want to be justified by the works of the law and preach to others that need to be justified by their performance. You're under a, a curse. You're under the curse of the law. Jump down to Galatians 3.13. It says this, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Paul is quoting Deuteronomy 22.1 there. Jesus became a curse for us so that we would not be cursed. Amen. Everyone under the law, trying to, by their performance, win God's approval, are putting themselves under the curse of the law. So Paul isn't necessarily cursing these false teachers. He simply points out that they are cursed, and as long as they're preaching a justification by works, Paul says, let them stand under that curse. Verse 10. Galatians 1.10. He says this, Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. Okay. <laughs> Paul, Paul, I mean, Paul, if you go through his... Uh, all the things that he went through, like he was, you know, shipwrecked and beaten and left for dead and all these different things. Like, it's quite the hardships. He's like, hello, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people. Because if he was trying to win the approval of people, um, if he was preaching the gospel of works, he would have certainly won the approval of the religious Jews who were uh, spreading this message. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. And I want to say the same thing is true of you. If pleasing people or being popular is your goal, you cannot truly serve Christ in the purest way possible. You have a mixture of loyalties and a mixture of masters. You cannot serve two masters. Paul says, if it was my goal to please people, I wouldn't please God. If your goal is to appease people, please people, you cannot serve Christ in a genuine way while your affections are mixed. I love the way it says it in the, the Amplified Version. If I were still trying to be popular with men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. <clears throat> That's a good word for someone. Give up the primary goal of people-pleasing and being popular with society and popular with culture. Take on the goal of being living your life to be pleasing to the Lord. Make your goal, this is a key takeaway today, make your goal to please God, not people. I'm not saying be a jerk to people either, you know. That doesn't mean you have to be mean to people. God wants us to actually love each other, treat each other well, that's a good thing. But here's the deal. Let me give you a couple applications here. Uh, maybe your boyfriend or girlfriend is pressuring you to sleep with them before marriage. Let me ask you a question. Is it your goal to serve God or to to um, appease that boyfriend or girlfriend? Uh, maybe your boss tells you to lie. You know, is it your goal to serve God or man? Maybe that boss has the power to promote you and to put you in you know, better positions. But ultimately, doesn't God hold the keys of our success? Make it your goal 
to please God and not to steal and lie and cheat and those things. How about this one? You're in a, you're in a circle of friends and you have a piece of information about someone else and you're like, I've got this juicy piece of gossip. Oh man, it's going to make me the, the cool one at the table tonight. You ever been there? And you have that check of the Holy Spirit, like, that. keep that one to yourself. Keep that information to yourself. That is, there, listen, there is a satisfaction in knowing that you have a juicy piece of information that would, like, oh, let's talk about this. Let's gossip about this person. You know all these people will take the bait, and you can just go with it. There is something satisfying just with the Lord. Listen, you know what it's, you know what it's like to, to tell the gossip, right? Try not telling the gossip. And let your satisfaction be with the Lord. Make it your aim to please God, not man. You'll feel that you'll feel the listen when you keep it, uh, something to you that's gossip, and you could have said it. You will feel the, the, the delight of the Lord in your heart. You will feel the delight of God in your heart. It's it's better than the temporary feeling you'll get from gossip. I promise you that. And by the way, that is a an underrated sin in the body of Christ. We always think of the big sins, you know, like, oh, someone's looking at porn and, uh, you know, someone's uh, lying or stealing and they're greedy. But the constant gossip and sowing uh, division among friends and that kind of stuff, that's a big deal. It's not nearly as nasty as we think. It's sort of this permissible kind of sin that we're, like, okay with and we shouldn't be okay with it. Getting another application making it your goal to please God versus man. As a pastor, I will say that there is a temptation to go along with the trends of society and tell people what they want to hear or what's popular in society. But I have to ask myself, do I want to be popular with people or do I want to please God? And sometimes the truth is offensive. Sometimes the truth is offensive. And because of that, I mean, I've had people get up and leave in the middle of my sermon sometimes. It's like, Okay. <laughs> you know, I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm just trying to present truth. Some pastors, in an effort to appease people, have gone from great preachers to bad preachers to false teachers. There's a difference between being a, a good preacher and a bad. You can be a bad preacher and, like, kind of still get a pass. You know, I'm not always, like, the best, you know. Um, but there, that's different from being a false teacher. And I've seen, and, it's, and I could give examples of great preachers, gifted, anointed by God preachers, who in an effort to appease people and go with the trends of sight and keep their church numbers up and those kind of things, have gone from great preachers to bad preachers and have ended up as false teachers and false doctrines. Second Timothy 4.3, Paul said this to Timothy, he said, for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires, and they will look for teachers who will tell them what their itching ears want to hear. Wow. So what do we do? We say things that are true. I know that sounds like earth-shattering, but just say true things. You should say true things. And don't worry about being canceled. Now, again... I'm not saying that we say true things in a mean way. Why? Because we actually we do want to build bridges with people. We want to be kind. We want to be compassionate. But we need to say things that are true and point people to the grace of Jesus, which ultimately has the power to transform them. Amen. 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 Amen.
Alright, I will conclude and close with this. And we'll, we'll finish chapter one, I think, next week. Maybe. Someone was telling me this week that they were at a church going to the book of Matthew and they were there for like a year or two or more. So, just be thankful that we're not doing that, alright? The gospel of Christ, the gospel of Lord Jesus, it is the gospel of grace that is unmerited in favor. It is the gospel of peace. Peace on earth and goodwill towards men. God is